0: Welcome to Adapt Nation, the podcast that dives into all things self-optimization and self-discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katazi, and today we have the legend, the absolute legend, that is Mark Ripito joining us on the mics today to talk about over 50s weight training. If you've been kicking around in the strength and weight training space for a while, you'll definitely know of Mark. You would have either read one of his books, such as Starting Strength. You would have read articles of his, knowingly or unknowingly, or checked out his awesome YouTube tutorial content on how to lift well. You'll probably also know that Mark doesn't mince his words. He shoots you straight and has no issue offending people with the truth. He absolutely cracks me up, but not because he's lost it or he's out of touch, but instead because he is free to speak his mind and put his foot in it regularly well as Mark Repetto is 64 years old and still lifts heavy and has personally coached tens of thousands of older folk who have found lifting later in life his understanding of the aged physiology is unparalleled there really is no one better to have on the show to talk about the whys and hows as it relates to strength training as you age than Mark okay so in this episode in true rip style mark delivers science and frankness he helps you understand the importance of strength training as you age what limitations need to be managed and specifically how to train he challenges the middle-aged avoidance of weight training with the likes of running and cycling he talks about testosterone issues as you get older trt the need to train your range of motion and hold on to your lean muscle mass as you age and the difference between exercise and training. Plus loads, loads more. This is a great episode full of training and health wisdom so you're gonna wanna dial in and really listen to the points that Mark is making. Oh, and I had to put my foot in it and tee this guy up for a good old COVID-19 lockdown run. I should have seen this one coming. Anyway, as always, you can check out the full show notes of this episode by clicking the link within the description of this episode. And if this discussion resonates with you, please help others find our show by leaving a five-star rating or review in your podcast app and tagging us in a screenshot, whether it be on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Lastly, if you want to take your personal growth to the next level, check out our Be Your Best Self-Optimization Journey, an online self-improvement program like no other, letting you into the human code and helping you realize your full potential and to be your best. You can find more details and podcast listener discounts in the episode notes. Okay, let's do this already we have the legendary Mark Ripoteau discussing the why and how over-50s should weight train. Oh, guys, this is a good one. We've got the one and only OG of strength training on the show today. The one and only Mr. Mark Ripoteau. Now, this guy has some serious credentials and reputation in this space, and to be honest, I'd be very surprised if you've not heard of him and watched his stuff and listened to his antics online over the last decade or so. And as a world-renowned strength training coach, author, ex-powerlifter, and gym owner, many, if not most, of the popular training programs today have taken a leaf, or many, out of Mark's book, Starting Strength. And in actual fact, Mark has a special, how can I say, yeah father-son relationship with Mike Matthews, a uh, buddy of Adaptation and the author of the incredibly popular Bigger, Leaner, Stronger series of books. Look, Mark, it's an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on the mics. And uh, I can't wait to get into this, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thanks for asking me, Steve. Pleasure to be here.
0: Ah, oh, it's uh, it is all mine. Trust me. Now, listen. I, I really do appreciate you finding the time. And um, whilst you have a near unlimited range of knowledge when it comes to training and you know strength generally, hypertrophy, and the human anatomy, wow, you blow my mind with the stuff you know. I would like make for us to focus on the older gym goer demographic. And let me tell you why. Well, we're getting quite a lot of questions coming through. We publish a lot of workouts that are really well put together. Uh, But there are several questions and a general sentiment, should I say, that as people get older, and the human body starts to age and slow down, that we have to treat it differently for optimal health, function and physique. And some of the things that I do as a 38 year old are considered inappropriate for someone in their 50s. So I really wanted to just explore that wherever you'd like to start. And if that's good, Let's get into it. But before we do, I want to know how, um, how lockdown is treating you so far, Mark.
1: Oh, uh, honestly, Steve, I don't... Uh, I haven't paid any attention to it. Uh, I'm... Uh, the gym is open. Uh, I do what I want to do. The only thing I can't do is go eat mm. where I where I wanted to eat. I believe that uh, even during the middle of the bombing of London in World War II, you could probably still go out and get a sandwich, right? But no, these, these idiots have, uh, have decided that they're gonna take advantage of this virus in order to flex their little muscles and show us what they can make us do. And some of us are going along with it. Some of us are saying, oh yeah, well, I must hide under the table at the house or I'll die. And others of us are saying, you know, you guys go get fucked. I mean, I've got responsibilities here. I've got employees to pay. I've got members I'm responsible for. They paid me to train. Their health is important to me. And, uh, so I've kind of taken a different approach to this than a lot of, than a lot of people. And, uh, And, uh, I, you know, that, that probably upsets people I, you know, people are going to say, you're going to get your, what you're going to do is you're going to get comments about how I'm being irresponsible. Uh, I'm not interested in the opinions of people who think it is irresponsible to be a responsible adult. Mm Uh, I'm being responsible. Uh, I'm not being, uh, I'm not being a coward. And uh, if that's strong, good.
0: That's a good place to start.
1: <laughs> <Straight> well, <laughs> well, you know, I, it's just, uh, you know, I've learned some stuff. I'm 64 years old. And this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen happen to the United States. Uh, you guys are an order of magnitude more fucked up than we are. Uh, I've been watching what's going on over at the UK. This is, you know, you guys are allowing this to happen to you. There's, there's no way out of this that doesn't involve telling somebody no. And we've all got to get used to the idea that, uh, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better for us personally. If freedom and liberty are important, they have to be fought for. Just get your mind ready because it's coming. Now, isn't that an interesting place to start?
0: It is, and I know it's such a hot potato. And um, I've, I've tried to avoid getting on the mics and really expressing my opinions, uh, but they're not too dissimilar from yours. Well, I, I, Steve, don't, if, I don't. I don't think. Go on.
1: They are counting on you to not express your opinion. That's what they want you to do: is to sit down and shut up and do what you're told. And if we don't start expressing our opinions about it, they're not going to know how many of us object to being treated like uh, prisoners.
0: Yeah, no, it's house arrest. It, it very much is. It
1: is house arrest. It's all. It's there's no other word for it. And I didn't commit a crime. You know, so I'm not going to be in house arrest. I'm sorry, I'm just not going to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, over in the UK, it's it's pretty tough because we are, you know, that we're not only locked down with you know fines and you know a fairly draconian way of managing us at the moment, mm-hmm. but you know there oh, is yeah. really nothing to do in this country. So whether you say I'm not doing it or not, I mean. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> Everybody's closed.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, the only the only difference here is uh we all have guns and you guys don't. And they know we have guns. And that makes us more difficult to deal with. <laughs>
0: True.
1: True. Yeah. And that's what that's for. <laughs> the guns aren't the guns aren't for hunting. That's that's a popular misconception. <laughs> That's not what guns are for.
0: That's interesting. A little bit of power to the people. All right. Oh, we we dig- absolutely we digress, Mark, but very interesting. Um, okay, so, look, where do you wanna where do you want to get started? We haven't really we haven't spoken about your credentials and I don't think we need to, but do you wanna just hit us up with the highlights as to why you are ready to talk about this? Uh, the way we are, like, you know, have you trained older people? I know you're an older guy yourself, but I'm an older guy,
1: you know, and I've, I've trained myself, you know, I've been training since I was, you know, 19 years old. I'm 64. I've learned a couple of things. I've trained a whole bunch of people and I've learned a couple of things from training a whole bunch of people. I've trained old people. I've trained really old people. I've trained kids. I've trained the whole demographic, and there are a few things that you have to remember across all the demographics that are exactly the same. And then there are things that are different about each one of these demographics. So let's let's start with talking about what is common to everyone you train and that is uh, human physiology. Biology is is Worth studying because it informs us uh, about what happens to our bodies when they are subjected to stress. Um, the whole basis of of training is the stress recovery adaptation phenomenon that we that we see when any physiologic system is uh, has an environmental stress applied to it. Okay, if, uh, say for example, a fish is swimming in the lake, right? And uh, the fish are swimming in the lake, and the lake is uh, the normal lake temperature of 70 degrees, an average of 70 degrees. And let's say uh, a geothermal event takes place. And this kind of thing happens from time to time in various places in the world, and bodies of water heat up. Suddenly, the environment's different. The fish is adapted to 70 degrees, and now the water is 78 degrees. What does he do? Well, he does one of two things. He adapts to 78 degrees and becomes accustomed to the new environment, or he dies. Now, if the change happens very, very quickly, he can't adapt because it's too much adaptation and too much in too short a period of, the time, of time. The fish can't recover from the stress, and as a result, he dies. But if the warming takes place over uh, two or three years, or over Seven or eight generations of fish. Uh, if the stress, in other words, if the stress is able to be adapted to, then the fish now is fine at seventy-eight degrees. And this is just to fabricate an example of the of the principle I'm talking about. All right, all living things adapt to stress. They can adapt to stress as a function of their DNA. The, the DNA is the mechanism by which we generate proteins. And uh, all of the various expressions of DNA are, are useful for adaptation to the stresses we incur in our environment. Now, we as humans uh, are not fish in the lake. We as humans nonetheless have the same adaptive capacity. If our environment changes, we adapt to that new environment. If our environment, as is so often the case, uh, consists of sitting at a desk for 12 hours a day, and then going home and laying on the couch and eating crisps, as you people call them, and having three or four pints uh, at night, if that is the stress, that's the environment, you adapt to that stress, and that looks like what you know it looks like. You grow, if you sit squarely on your ass all day long, you grow a big fat ass to sit on. And this is not good for us because our normal expression, the normal expression of our genotype is expressed during activity, because that's how we evolved, is to is to engage in activity all day. So in order to combat an, a bad adaptation to a stress, which would be uh, sitting on the couch and getting fat, what we have to do is apply physical stress so that we tailor an adaptation to the physical stress. We tailor the adaptation we want. We design the stress to produce a specific adaptation. We want bigger muscles. We want stronger muscles. We want denser bones. We want organ systems that support denser bones and stronger muscles. We want our heart and lungs to function at this at a higher level than they are right now. So we design a stress to cause an adaptation. The process of designing a stress to which we will specifically adapt is called training. And when we use the term training, we're using it very specifically. It training refers to a specific uh, program that we design to produce an adaptation running a marathon requires a different set of adaptations than competing in a powerlifting meet all right so depending on the adaptation we desire the training is designed to produce that adaptation now in contrast to that going by the gym on the way home from work if there are such things anymore Um uh, And getting on the treadmill and riding the treadmill, then going over to the dumbbells and moving them around through the air in various random patterns. And, uh, getting back on the elliptical and doing some stuff there and watching TV while you ride the machines and then going into the sauna and having a sweat and then coming back out to the showers and showering up and, and putting your clothes back on going out to the car is what we call exercising, because there's no design. There's no specific attempt to create a specific adaptation. Training and exercise are thus different. And training is the much more efficient way to spend the time, because you actually get to select the specific adaptation that you have decided you want to, to, to affect. So, Training is a thing that every human being can do. Every human being can train instead of exercise. Exercise is, you know, maybe adequate for some people, but the, the best way to spend your time is to figure out what adaptation you want, design a program to produce that and then perform the program on a disciplined, regular. Basis. So that's training. So when I use the term training, that's what I mean. Now, training for older people is different than training for younger people. Training for older people has to take into account the fact that an older person's body does not adapt as quickly or as efficiently to the same stress that it would have. Were that body, 21 years old. Okay. And by the same token, an eight-year-old kid cannot adapt as quickly, or as effectively to, to a training program as can someone uh, post-puberty. A young man, 18 to 25, can adapt to pretty much anything. So when we when we train competitive athletes in that in that range of age. Uh, Any idiot can do that. Any coach can train a good athlete. Good athletes are not where we learn our craft as strength coaches. Older people are uh, who we are primarily interested in for a couple of different reasons. One, there are more of them. And two, they're a lot better at paying their bills <laughs> than the kids are. They're willing to spend money because they have it and they understand the importance of not being in bad health anymore. So they make better customers for us. All right. And, you know, a, a significant percentage of people listening to this podcast are, are professional, uh, personal trainers or in this business. Uh all of us in this business have found that we'd rather work with a 50-year-old professional than a 22-year-old powerlifter. I don't care about 22-year-old powerlifters. They're not listening to what you're telling them anyway, because they already know all of this, you know. Uh, but a 50-year-old professional who's decided that he's not going to go into his 60s and 70s uh, quietly is the guy you want to train because they'll listen to you. You can help them. You get a better improvement in quality of life from an older person than you do from a younger person. All right, let's say I take a 17-year-old kid and I start training him when he's a junior in high school. And uh, I he weighs 155 pounds. And I get his squat over the next year, from 17 to 18 years old, from 135 pounds up to 500. Now, I can do this. This is That's easy enough to do. If he'll do what I tell him to do, he's got to eat. Most kids won't eat, though. But if he does what I tell him to do, I can make that kid pretty strong. I can get him a college sports scholarship that he wouldn't previously have been eligible for. But let's say I've got a 50-year-old guy. He's a professional. He sits at a desk all day. He's making a lot of money. He's got a lot of of stress. He's got a lot of responsibility. He finally realizes one day that he's got to do something physical with all this stress. Because emotional and intellectual stress produce physical consequences. Mm -hmm. So the stress must be dealt with. Physically, I don't know if that's occurred to anybody or not. If you just sit there and and stew on problems and stuff, it affects you physically. The best way to deal with that kind of stress is to physically deal with it. That's something important to keep in mind. So this guy realizes one day that he's, he's got to deal with his stress. So he comes to me and I put him on a program and we teach him how to squat. We teach him how to press. We teach him how to bench press, how to deadlift. If he's athletic, we might even teach him how to clean and snatch. Depends on what he wants to do, but we're going to get him stronger. Okay. Because if I get him stronger, I'm affecting his muscles. I'm making his muscles bigger. I'm making his bones denser. If all I have him do is run, then I affect his heart and lungs. But squatting affects the heart and lungs too. In addition to. All of the other tissue, all the other systems of the body that it affects, that running doesn't even touch. So, I've, I've got a limited amount of time every week to devote to my to my physical training program I'm going to strength train. Because that's more far, far more bang for the buck. Okay? So, this guy starts off not being able to squat much of anything. And in six months, I've got him squatting 225 three sets of five. All right. He was borderline diabetic. He's got high blood, starting on high blood pressure. He may even be on blood pressure medication. He's been squatting. He's benching. He's pressing overhead. What have I done for his quality of life? Granted, I might have gotten the, uh, the kid a scholarship to go to school free. That's important. There's no doubt. That's very important but if i've got a guy that's 50 that i can hand his physical existence back to him then that is probably a significantly higher effect on his quality of life the kid would have been okay either way but this old guy that's 50 years old that's that's slowly wasting now i've given him a method to take control of his physical existence that he didn't know about before. I've shown him what training is. He learns through being with me that what he has to do is something in the gym, every time he comes to the gym, that's a little bit harder than The workout that he did when he previously came two days ago goes up a little bit of weight every time. In other words, we're going to force him to get stronger. And I've handed him a method by which he can be the director of this process. Now, this is very, very important. Okay, it's very important for his physical health. It's also important for his his intellectual and mental health because this process doesn't just apply to what he's doing in the gym under the bar. And you can see that that's true. You can see that if we have a guy that knows that you add a little bit every time and accumulate an adaptation. You accumulate gradually an adaptation. Two and a half pounds of workout, five pounds of workout. Well, guess what? This is how you learn to play the piano, isn't it? This is how you learn to do anything you don't know how to do. Agreed. And This is a terribly useful process because a lot of people have never seen this happen before. They've never been placed in charge of this much of their existence. So it's a terribly important thing for him to learn. Now, when when we deal with uh, kids of above-average intelligence that can see this process happen to them when they're 18, 19, this produces an effect on them that they carry forward with them from now on these people understand how to get things done
0: it's a keystone habit isn't it
1: It It, it's a it's it's impossible to sufficiently express how important this is if you are placed in charge of your physical existence that you have been given the tools to be in charge of every aspect of your existence and it's, it's terribly critical that you learn this. And under the bar bill is the best place to learn it.
0: So let me give you a couple of counters here, um, purely because these are the things I've heard previously. So I have um, friends, acquaintances, and people that have reached out to us over the last couple of years, many of which are into running, cycling, uh, you know, a lot of guys at my kind of age, 40 odd, they start getting into cycling. It's, 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 I don't know if it's the same over in the US, but over here in the UK, cycling is a big deal, whether it's stationary, but usually out on the road. And I can see that I can see the emotional and psychological benefit huge. But a lot of people lean towards cardiovascular fitness, you know, in, increasing their fitness level and what I often hear is when I say let's get in a gym or get into the gym, this is going to be good for you from a den- bone density perspective, from an anabolic perspective. You're not going to be wasting away. The response typically is, I used to enjoy that when I was younger, but my body's slower now. I just can't seem to be motivated. I don't seem to give a shit really to go in the gym and throw weights around and strain and pop my eyeballs out. I'd rather just jump on my bike and go, you know, go cycling for an hour that feels great. I'm enjoying it. I'm making progress. I'm measuring loads of stuff. So who, what do you say to that individual that says they get loads of value from, you know, using cardiovascular activities such as running or cycling? And how do you encourage them to consider the gym being a, a useful ad?
1: Well, uh, I think that, um, you know, if a person enjoys what they're doing, they need to keep doing it. Um, You know, I'm not here to make people squat and deadlift, you know, but the problem is, is they haven't got any experience with strength training. They have experience with going in the gym and like you say, throwing weights around. It's not the same thing. It's not training. It's just fucking around in front of the dumbbell rack. There are, they are two completely different activities. When, when we train somebody, every day they get to the gym, they know every single thing they are going to do in the gym that day. They know all of their squat warm-ups. They know their squat work set is going to be five pounds heavier than it was Wednesday. They know what they're going to press today. They know that press is going to be... Uh, Two pounds heavier than it was Wednesday. They know their deadlift is going up five pounds. They know what all of the warm-up sets are. If they're going to do any assistance exercises, they know exactly how many of those they're going to do and with what weight. It's not the same thing that they have experience with. A. B. If you don't think there is a cardiovascular component to doing three sets of heavy squats for five reps. That is because you have never done three sets of five squats with a heavy weight. Only someone with no experience with this can stand there and look you straight in the eye and say, I don't get any cardio from lifting weights. That's, that's just, you know, not everybody knows what they're talking about. You may have noticed this.
0: What is the difference between the fit the, the endurance fitness and the ability to, you know, go, you know, 35, 40 miles an hour on a bike going hell for leather and being able to sustain that versus, you know, five by five under the barbell racket is different, right? For your heart. Surely.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, you know, long, uh, Long, slow endurance uh, actually produces quite a bit of oxidative damage that uh, short, intense uh, anaerobic stuff does not produce. It also doesn't produce strength. And 35, 40 miles an hour doesn't happen, Steve.
0: My my next door neighbor does that. (laughs) That's the reason I mentioned it.
1: (laughs) People don't ride that fast except in a sprint. And, yeah, uh,
0: short short sprint, but he, he, he did, right. did clock that a last week. Yeah. <laughs> well, he can do
1: You know, he can do it for a couple of minutes. He's pretty fit. And, you know, if you go out and sprint on your bike, that's wonderful. How much can you bench press? Yeah.
0: Oh, no, he's pretty slight. My next that's his choice. Yeah, these
1: guys are all little bitty guys without any muscle mass. All right, let me let me give you a pertinent question here. Who is going to better survive a COVID-19 infection? A two hundred and thirty-five-pound fifty-year-old lifter or a hundred and forty-five-pound fifty-year-old runner. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't
0: know. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to well, ask I,
1: that. Well, I, I do know. Infections and disease are will kill you at a light body weight. <clears throat> Infections and disease kill people who are little and skinny and can't fight it off because you fight off infections with lean body mass, with the uh, immune system components that are associated with a heavier body weight. Do you know where in the BMI scale longevity is maximum? It's not in the low end, You you get underweight, normal. Overweight, obese, obese two, obese three, max, uh, highest, the lowest total mortality is in the group that is overweight. Okay. And that's because people that are overweight also have more muscle mass than people who are underweight. So yeah, you don't want to be little and skinny and old. Because little skinny old people die.
0: And let's face it, the the less you're and you're testing your muscles maximally, I mean they they're atrophying through age, right? So I mean, that's just gonna that's, happen, right?
1: That's that's the point. Yes. That's the whole point. You're going to lose muscle mass as you get older, whether you train or not. But if you don't fight to hold on to it, you're gonna lose it much, much faster than somebody who does. And uh You know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't care if it, it, it adds a a couple of days to my life. I just being, I just like being strong. I think a person is supposed to be strong and they think that a person is supposed to be able to ride their bike. Well, that's just differences of opinion. I, again, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got a, we present a pretty good case for body mass for old people in all of our books we've got several books on the on the subject one specifically called uh, the barbell prescription strength training for life after 40 that book makes an excellent case for why strength training for old people is the best investment in in time that you can make it's for your health it's, it's as you efficient. get older
0: it's definitely efficient and and Yes. It's, it's minimum dose for maximum effect. Right? Uh, I like I like that equation personally.
1: Absolutely, that's you know. And people want to argue with it. I don't care. They can argue with me if they want to, but they're. It's just not true. Straight training is the best use of time for everybody. All right. Now, if you enjoy running, then go ahead and run. But you have to be aware of the fact that as you get older. Running becomes a liability, Mm -hmm. not an asset. It's not good for 65 year old guys to run five miles. It beats the piss out of you and it doesn't do anything to keep your muscle mass up. It does opposite, right? Yeah, it does. It eats up muscle mass. It certainly does. Now it may make you feel like you've gotten something accomplished, but so does a five pounds squat PR. You just, you just have to, you have to think about this. You have to sit down and consider it rationally. And I understand if you like to run, we got a guy over at the gym right now that ran. He was a, you know, a five day a week runner. Uh, he's about 65, 66 years old, a little bit older than me, decided a couple of years ago that he didn't like the way he was feeling anymore. He was sore and beat up all the time. His knees hurt, his hips hurt from all the pounding and shit. And, uh, he quit running started lifting weights and he's better in better shape now than he's ever been, ever been in his life. And,
0: uh, Well, you're taking a pounding when you're in the streets, right? I mean, it's just, that's the reality well, of, of it. When you're running, of you, course you're giving you your joints a good old pounding as, as, as is the ligaments and,
1: uh, of yeah. course you are. And, uh, and, and that's the argument for cycling, True. but cycling's got its own problems, doesn't it? I mean, where are you going to go? You know where can you go cycling? You know you've got to have a bike, you've got to have streets, you got to not get run over. You know there's there's logistical problems that are involved with cycling that aren't involved in strength training. You know what but we're but finding you get, but now you get
0: flow, is slow, that, right? That's that's what that's the response all the time. Ah, like, oh, but emotionally I feel amazing, and I I agree. I I think when you're in that state. And you're out in nature and in the UK, we've got beautiful tracks to, to ride down like all, all over the country. So I, I completely understand what people say when they say, when I'm on the bike and I get into the rhythm of it, I'm, I'm by myself, maybe the music's on, maybe not. And I'm just by myself. And I get into that flow state where the kind of pain dissipates and I'm just doing my thing and I'm enjoying it. Um, you can't necessarily replicate that in the gym, can you? I, I haven't found flow state necessarily in the gym.
1: Have you? Well, I, well sure. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, I, I'm not familiar with the term flow state, but uh, a five pound PR on the squat after having trained for three years is a makes it feel good produces its own <laughs> sense of accomplishment that yeah. just riding another mile on your bicycle doesn't doesn't seem to produce. Uh, and, you know, and, and uh, let's not let's not mistake, you know, let's not let the the perfect to be the enemy of the good Mm -hmm. here. If you want to ride your bike, go ride your bike, but don't be a dumbass. Add some strength training to what you're doing. Once you ride your bike once a week and train three days a week and you'll, you'll be shocked at how much better you ride the bike when you're stronger. I agree you know but uh, if you enjoy ride the bike go ride the bike i'm not telling you to not ride the bike i'm just telling you that if all you do is ride a bicycle then you are ignoring a huge amount of your physiology
0: so so what about the, the actual kind of function uh, the functionality the the body the um, body mechanics biomechanics of the human body Uh, You've spoken about the fact that most of us um, end up having somewhat of a sedentary lifestyle as we get into the workplace, and we we separate that every once in a while with a bit of training or exercise of some form. Um, If you're running or cycling or doing something similar, obviously very repetitive motions, uh, not necessarily always with high ranges of motion, and not necessarily stressing those muscles through uh, through loads. So how does that compare from a biomechanical level to getting in the gym and if you're doing a good training program and it's well designed
1: how does it compare with what I'm sorry I didn't I don't understand the question
0: it's my sloppy question how are, can you elicit uh, further improvement uh, and just general uh, quality of range of motion and quality of m- uh, movement and body mechanics in the gym versus say doing cardiovascular stuff?
1: Well, everything we do under the bar in the gym is full range of motion. cardiovascular stuff all uses a partial range of motion. I mean, what's the range of motion around the hips when you run versus the squat? What's the range of motion around the knees when you run versus the squat? You see what I'm saying? I I, I I still don't guess I understand your question. No, no,
0: that's that, that's uh, that's part of it. But you, you you're add doing, to you're doing it as well.
1: Highly repetitive partial range of motion for many 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 many, many reps. All right. That's what that's what uh, running a marathon is uh oh, between 52 and 55,000 strides. Okay, but every one of them are about 10, 15 degrees.
0: Mm
1: Uh, if you want range of motion, you squat below parallel the way we teach it. You know, that range of motion uses over well over 110 degrees of range of motion around the knees, you know, so, uh, there's not any comparison there.
0: But what about if, uh, if someone says I, I don't have very good range of motion. Therefore I, I may as well carry on running or cycling because squatting well, with a you, barbell on my back is, is not going to be, not going to be a good
1: can idea. You th- can you think of a better way to improve range of motion than to put a barbell on your back squat all the way down and stand back up a movement that requires a full range of motion.
0: See, I'm are, being, I'm being there, rhetorical, the, but a lot of I know, people, I know you a, are, lot, a lot of people I, would say, "I just," but I can't. I've seen, I've, I've seen people who have never squatted before put a barbell on their back, and it's scary in terms of the way they oh, try to descend. Because,
1: so, how do we get them right, out of that? Well, We teach them how to squat correctly. I've been teaching people how to squat correctly for 42 years. Uh, we have uh, uh, a seminar every month where people come from all over the world and learn how to squat, press, deadlift, bench press, and power clean. All right, we have 30 people at these seminars. About half of the seminar for the weekend is lecture. We explain the things I've been explaining so far. And the other half of the of the seminar is under the bar. So we'll have 30 people squat. 30 people from all walks of life and all demographics. Some are fitness professionals, some are 60 year old people that decided to learn how to do this right. And, uh, I mean, I've had the oldest guy I've ever had, I think seminars, 87. And for the past, we've been doing these seminars since 2006. So that's 14 years of seminars during that period of time on saturday morning when we squat we've had a total of about five people who were unable to squat below parallel squatting below parallel is a matter of instruction it's not a matter of flexibility now that the five people that we have not been able to get below parallel during that period of time were old and they weren't strong enough to use that range of motion and it takes us for someone who's not strong enough to use that complete range of motion it takes us between 3 and 4 weeks to get them strong enough if you come to one of our gyms to a starting strength gym we will sh- and you can't squat below parallel you will be squatting below parallel in 3 or 4 weeks because we know how to do it See, we're not – the whole point of of strength training is to start where you are and get better. If you can't squat below parallel now, your job is to get down below parallel. And the first thing we're concerned about is the range of motion, Mm -hmm. improving the range of motion. Because if you can't use the complete range of motion, then you can't strengthen the muscle mass that powers that complete range of motion. See, we're not concerned, like everybody else in the fitness industry is, we're not concerned with muscle groups. I don't care about your quads or your glutes or your hamstrings or your adductors or your abductors or your pecs or your lats. Or your delts or your buys, your tries, all that other shit. I'm not concerned about all those. I am concerned about movement patterns. I'm concerned about normal human movement patterns, squatting down and standing back up, pushing something up over your head, picking something up off of the floor. Now, if I do these correctly, then I'm going to train all of the muscle mass that's involved In the performance of those normal human movement patterns. And guess what? It's all of them. If you squat, you bench press, you press, and you deadlift, every muscle in the human body has been trained. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. There are no quiet muscles in a 500 pound deadlift. Okay. So, We are supremely concerned with range of motion. Absolutely, we're concerned with range of motion. We have to have complete and effective range of motion. And we know how to teach that. And if your coach doesn't know how to teach it, then it's the coach's problem, not yours. He needs to learn how to do his job.
0: And what about if someone says, you know, I've got these aches and pains, I've got elbow aches, my my shoulders ache, I probably need to have some, you know, sterile injections, you know, my knees are fucked, <laughs> I, I've got all of these problems, my back's, you know, twisted, and so for all right. these reasons, I clearly am not a, a, a specimen to get in the gym, I'm going to do other things that are less impactful on those achy areas of my body, what do you say to that?
1: Well, um, it has been our experience, and in fact, we make quite a bit of money, doing it this way. People with bad, with, with back pain come to us. And three weeks later, their back pain's gone because they squatted and deadlifted. People with knee pain come to us. We show them how to squat correctly. Their knee pain is gone. We make a lot of money doing this. You know, this is a, this is a profit center for us is fixing back and knee pain with barbell exercise. Now, th- the problem is is the medical community doesn't either understand it or is not interested in that. They would rather write a prescription and quite honestly most people would rather just take a pill. Yeah, it's a human nature shortcoming.
0: At the highest level, but, what 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 what's what's changing or what you improving? That is taking some of this pain away this chronic pain the strength, I know there's, there's loads of different reasons why people are the, in pain but in general
1: the strength uh if you've got if your back is weak and in pain if we make your back strong and we make your abs strong and all the muscles because all those muscles are used in the deadlift if all of the muscles that support the back become stronger then MAC pain tends to go away because the mechanism of MAC pain is generally low-level inflammation. The act of loading the spine and working it through the range of motion that it experiences during the squat and the deadlift, massages and mashes those structures, gets the blood flowing again, helps. Remove inflammatory products, and there, you know, there's several different mechanisms. But uh, even people with a chronic bad back that have got that have got definite back pathology find that uh, the deadlift is beneficial for them. All right, which would you rather have: back pain with a weak back or back pain with a strong back?
0: Well, the latter.
1: Yeah, you know. I've got, we have people, we train people with scoliosis. You can't do anything about scoliosis. You know, it's a lateral curve, it's fine. And what we tell people all the time is, is do you want to have scoliosis with a weak back or a strong back? Well, you'd much rather have it supported. I mean, we can't straighten it out. But you'd much rather have it supported with a much muscle mass than to just continue to get worse and worse and worse. Cause that's what it's going to do if you don't train it. So our experience with chronic pain has been that it always gets better when you start training, if you have not been training and your back hurts 99% of the time, it'll be much better in three weeks. 99% of the time, those are good odds, mm-hmm. And you, but You know, you have to get people up off their ass before they'll do that, before they can experience it for themselves. But if you can focus their attention for three weeks, you can show them all all we need is nine workouts, nine workouts, but some people won't do it. Mm. Steve, not everybody wins, do they?
0: not everyone wins because they don't believe they can win or they don't have enough self-worth or idea of significance but yeah I, th- I think for people that want want change um i found the gym to be profound emotionally psychologically even cognitively but um every
1: aspect of it is 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 a positive experience 100% every aspect of it but,
0: but I've, I've, know, I've seen my, I've seen, well, I've, I've had chronic kind of, I think it's called movie knee. I had that for years and years and it would just flare, flare up every time I sit down for any period of time. And I haven't had that for three or four years now because I got, I kind of did a bar and I started training. And now whenever I experience pain of any sort, I try and. You know, my prescription is to get in the gym and work through ranges of motion that don't hurt and trying to rebuild up whatever, whatever, whatever I had done wrong. Uh, and not well, I, atten- I would
1: encourage you, I would encourage you to train through the range of motions that do hurt.
0: Well, that can be tricky at times, I, especially like the it can stuff. be.
1: It, it can be, you just need some help with it. I've had surgery on both my shoulders for various stupid things I've done, both Of those shoulder surgeries i rehabbed with the barbell press there is a it works faster than any physical therapy protocol in existence and there's a video about it on my website but it's uh, uh, you have to attack injuries Mm. you can't let them heal you may have noticed over the years, that you have a sore knee, sore elbow, and you think, "Ah, oh, I just need to let it heal," because you go to the doctor and the doctors, you know, who don't know anything about this at all, will tell you, "Well, you got to let it heal." You know, look, you can't let tendonitis heal. Tendonitis, an inflamed tendon, does not heal with rest. It doesn't heal. You can lay off of the thing for two years and come back, and it'll hurt. It, the same pain will be there.
0: That's profound. People because that. ten, yeah.
1: tendonitis does not heal with rest. Things do not regain previous levels of strength with rest. And I'm sorry about that, but that's just the case. That's that's what happens.
0: You are you are preaching from the same book as Chris Duffin, who've had on the show, Peter Sullivan, that we've had on the show. Kelly um, uh, Kellystera. we've had about four or five people that have attacked pain or the, the the prescription of pain, and they've all said exactly the same thing: you've got to move. And That's the move only way.
1: Yeah, it's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it. People, but people don't like to hurt. People interpret pain as something to avoid. They've been raised like that. You remember when you burnt your hand on the stove when you were three? Don't do that again. You know don't do that again. Don't touch the hot stove. It hurts. Don't do that. Well, it's not that simple. (laughs) I wish it were, but it's not that simple. And most people, you know, just don't have the constitution to train through an injury. I understand that. Again, not everybody wins.
0: Talk to me about testosterone. So talk to me about um as and we can be guys and girls but as we age of course there's a, a natural reduction in our testosterone because we're we're no longer needing it right from an evolutionary standpoint our job is done um but how do we well first of all is it a god-given right that we are uh, as as we age where we're, our testosterone is going to tank and and we're just going to not have much oomph as it relates to the gym or willingness to kind of get out there and and act like a 21 year old anymore um, and then, secondly, what is the what is the relationship between strength training and testosterone? Does is it is it impacted if you have low testosterone, and is testosterone impacted if you strength train? So there's a lot there. But talk to us about the the yeah the the natural reduction in testosterone as we age. Is that a death sentence? And two, how do we how do we attack that with strength training?
1: Uh, testosterone levels decrease as you get older. Now, let me preface this by saying that everybody is different. All right. Some people have low T, as it's referred to, by the time they're 30. Some people have what would be considered normal testosterone well into their 70s. People are all different. But it is normal for testosterone levels to slowly decrease from about the age of 30, 35. Some people do better with lower testosterone than other people. Some people uh, uh, receive quite a bit of improvement when testosterone is supplemented. All right? Everybody varies with this. Now, with respect to Testosterone and training. Training does not elevate chronic levels of testosterone. There have been several studies done on this. There have been dozens and dozens of of serum hormone studies done. And what we will see is a momentary increase in serum testosterone levels and, you know, in serum growth hormone levels as well. These are transient and insignificant. So it is a mistake to start training with weights or doing anything with the intention of manipulating your serum testosterone level through the activity. It doesn't work. I wish it did, but it doesn't work. Testosterone is um, a terribly important substance, especially for men, but for women as well. Testosterone, if you have got chronic low testosterone, the effects of what it's called hypogonadism. Uh, the primary effects that you're going to experience are probably psychological. You're just not going to feel good. The human male brain is not designed to operate on low levels of testosterone. And as you pointed out earlier, after the age of reproduction, uh, the, your genotype doesn't really care whether you're producing testosterone or not. And as a result... It's, it's not terribly cooperative in doing this. I mean, if the average life expectancy 30,000 years ago was, was 37, a 65 year old guy is just an, he's just a, uh, an outlier doesn't matter what his testosterone is. Mm-hmm. So we're not tailored to maintain testosterone levels. Some they do fall, they do in, indeed fall off what we find when guys go to the low T clinic and they're depressed, they've got psychological symptoms. They're not sleeping good. They hurt their bellies bigger. You know, this sort of thing is that when testosterone is supplemented within 72 hours, uh, and this doesn't take six months within 72 hours, their brain is different. In my opinion, Psychiatry ignores this. In my opinion, the first line for treatment of depression in men should be testosterone. And it doesn't matter what the reference range of the testosterone is. They'll draw blood and you're going to have a reference range in nanograms for, for milliliter of testosterone, it's down, you know, I think they they quote the range, it depends on what assay is being done, but somewhere in the 200s, to up in the 700s. And if you're high in the 700s, you're thought not to need testosterone supplementation. I've talked to a lot of doctors about this, and really, it doesn't matter what your reference range is, if you're having symptoms. Of low testosterone, and your tests come back at 700. Take the testosterone anyway and see what happens. It's not going to kill you. If it doesn't help, then quit. If it does help, you just learn something. But doctors don't like to do it that way for some reason. There are a few more progressive physicians who will go ahead and prescribe it because they understand that everybody responds differently to the reference range. As I. Th- started off talking about everybody is is different about testosterone but as a general rule it's quite beneficial as a general rule if you're 50 years old and you're not on testosterone you're 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 believing a wonderful opportunity to feel better on the table
0: so when when you train so this is my this was my understanding please correct me if i'm wrong um, well, actually, let me let me divert with a small, you know, anecdote of my own. I had uh, clinically borderline low testosterone two or three years ago. So I'm 38. So about 35. Um, I'd worked a, a a corporate job tirelessly, hardly any sleep, go go go, very successful in that field, but uh, at a price to my health. Um, when I finally got into you know caring enough to start testing. I'd noticed that I was clinically low or borderline low and I just couldn't seem to according
1: to the according to the reference range
0: according to yes. the reference range but at the same time I was also you know falling asleep straight after food every night I was like crashing every evening libido was low you know the funks mental funks all that kind of stuff long story right. short um tests now are in a very healthy range for my age And what have I done? Now, I've done a hell of a lot, if I'm honest. So, you know, nutritionally, complete 180, uh, sleeping now, which I wasn't doing before, training consistently, getting stronger, putting on 20 or 30 pounds of muscle mass within that period of time as well. So it's not easy for me to say it's because of the training. But as you increase your muscle mass, does that not help elevate or, you know, amp up your production of testosterone. That was my belief that it does have some effect.
1: With muscle I think growth. that in, I think an increase in testosterone helps with muscle growth. I don't. I I have never seen any evidence to indicate that an increase in muscle mass increases testosterone. Okay. That seems seems rather backward to me. I may, now I you may, may, have, I may co- have been just backwards in my thinking. of Well, the science. you you may have corrected the 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 other aspects of your existence that were keeping your testosterone low now you're 38 a 38 year old guy typically doesn't need to be worried about testosterone supplementation but 10 years from now you really ought to consider it you know what the effects of low testosterone feel like if it happens again and it's 10 years from now and all of the variables that you have corrected are still under control then it would be time for you to consider testosterone replacement therapy.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'm I'm glad you've cleared this up. So training in and of itself, with no other lifestyle changes, is not going to improve your testosterone. But testosterone, that, low testosterone will have an effect on your training and also your muscle growth.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. So what do you doing? So what do, you never do been if you've got anybody. low
0: testosterone and you and you want to build up muscle, you you're kind of kind of screwed, or you just expect a low, a slow game if you're not going to take any uh, therapy.
1: Uh, if if you're not going to take any any testosterone replacement therapy, you're not going to get optimal results. I understand that some people don't want to do that. That's fine. Don't, but you have to understand when you're not doing it, there are, you know, that the 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 things that you don't like about yourself. Are probably about seventy-two hours away from being fixed if you do testosterone replacement therapy. I'm, but you know, I'm a big fan of it. A big fan of it.
0: But don't you reduce your um your internal, endogenous production of testosterone, and therefore it becomes, uh, it becomes you mean a
1: the internal production of testosterone that was not adequate to keep you from something <laughs> Yes. From yes. Showing but I mean, oh, that, I, that I, I hear not
0: lots not of people that. that talk about once they once they decide to come off, especially if they've been on anabolics. But, you know, generally, if they pull away from their therapy or from steroids, uh, the come down and life there afterwards well, now, is pretty we're, Now, shit. we're
1: not talking about, now, Steve, we're not talking about anabolic steroids. The doses are
0: difference, right? Versus,
1: well, no, it's a substance difference. Anabolic steroids are not testosterone. Absolutely not the same thing, and I'm not. I'm not sitting here telling, you know, our our audience that everybody needs to be doing anabolic steroids. I hadn't said the word anabolic steroids because <laughs> it's not. It's not the same thing. Okay, so, so completely completely
0: different. You don't get testosterone. Let's be
1: clear about that. All right, uh, I'm not advocating the use of anabolic steroids. I'm advocating that people who are experiencing symptoms of low testosterone, take some testosterone. It's two completely ass different things. All right. People who are competing in strict sports take anabolic steroids. If they want to do that, that's fine. It's none of my business, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Okay. Let's not get my ass accused of this because that's not what I mean at all.
0: Okay. Good. Good. Well, I'm. I'm glad you cleared it up. I knew you were talking about yeah. TRT, but I just wanted. to, I, yes. I. I. I see it as a spectrum. Is it not? Is there? Is TLT not a kind of low? It's. It. It, it, is, a, it, it is a. It is. It is a supplement. It is a. Is a pharmacological replacement
1: s- therapy. Replacement therapy and taking a whole bunch of tests are two different things. Yes.
0: Okay. And it's not just dose. It's substance.
1: As well. Well, no, we're talking about the substance testosterone. In your country, it's testosterone enanthate. Over here, it's testosterone cypionate. That's the substance we're talking about. Okay. And uh, it's the dose. If you want to take 500 milligrams of test a week, I think, yeah, you'll feel real good. You're taking a whole bunch of tests. That's that's uh, uh, performance-enhancing drug levels of testosterone. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doses. a 50-year-old guy that takes 150, 200 milligram a test a week to get him back to where he ought to be, to put him back where he ought to be, were he 35 again. Okay. That's what I'm talking
0: about. Cool, cool. Thank you for clearing that up. And I'm sure not. it's not just sure. me who would have been confused with that. I'm sure the listeners have appreciated that. Um, Well, uh, people
1: are going to be confused if they, if they want to be confused about it, they're going to be, you know, I've been, I've been accused of advocating the use of, of steroids because I'm advocating the use of TRT. If you want to go ahead and re characterize what I'm saying, then go ahead, but that's not what I said, you know, and it, it happens all the time. You know, people have an agenda and if their agenda is to, you know, be the, the, Hormone Puritans of the world, then they're going to say whatever they need to say. I don't care. I'm not concerned with people like that. Okay, that's not what I said.
0: No, no, uh, no. Good, no, no. you've cleared it up. It's that's that's perfect. Right, so, last good. question then. So, you you did start the conversation by saying you will need to train differently as you as you get older. Now, we haven't really defined right. older, but we keep using the kind of like the fifty the 50-year-old kind of like milestone. So we've got we've got someone who um, feels relatively young, but they know their body's starting to slow down. They're looking at training programs online, you know, whether it be mine or someone else's, and they go, okay, you know, there's squats, deadlifts, bench pressing, there's some accessory work, there's maybe some training to failure in there, there might be some high volume certain days. Anyway, it, it looks like a young man's workout. How do they need to adapt that for their own needs? Are we changing volume? Are we changing intensity? Are we changing training to failure? Are we changing ranges of motion? What would you do differently between a 30-year-old and a 50-year-old in terms of programming?
1: Well, I I would not do that much difference between a 30-year-old and a 50-year-old. I would do quite a bit different between a 30-year-old and a 60-year-old. It's been the experience of those of us who have trained older people and those of us who are ourselves older and still train heavy that the primary problem with training when you're older is volume all right older guys need to lift as heavy as they can but they can't recover from a whole bunch of sets across all right They can't recover from lots and lots and lots of rips under the bar. Older guys don't get recovered from that. Older guys, connective tissues are much more susceptible to inflammation. You're going to, you start doing eight sets of four, you're going to have creaky knees pretty quick. Furthermore, you're not going to, you're going to be sore all the time. You're not going to get done what you want to do. All right. For example uh 5 sets of 5 across is a typical intermediate program for a younger guy that's post his novice progression phase. Older guy does 5 sets of 5 across, he's you know, he can't do that. He can't get recovered from it. He'll be sore all the time, he'll be sick eventually because he he just it it depresses immune system function. It just does all kinds of bad things to you. In contrast, and uh, our buddy Stan Everding is in complete agreement with this. Uh, You ought to have him on your show if he'll talk to you. Stan's a great guy. Uh, And he's got got an excellent perspective on this training as we get older thing. He and I are both in agreement that we squat once every two weeks. That's all you need to squat. I do a heavy triple once every two weeks. I pull heavy once every two weeks and I'm still pulling up in the 400s. I still squat in the mid 300s, but I only do it once every two weeks. And I only do it for a triple, not five because I can stay strong and I can get recovered from it. Now I start trying to bump my, I start trying to bump up my volume and start trying to do two or three sets of three. Once a week, I will have a knee injury almost immediately. And if you get hurt, you can't train. As you get older, older guys are much more susceptible to the bad effects of volume. Whereas intensity is okay. You need to lift the heaviest weight you can lift, but don't do sets across. And give some thought to changing from fives down to triples. Eights and tens are stupid for older guys. That's just stupid. Oh, really? You know? Yes, really.
0: Not, not even as you'll, I mean, you'll, you'll find, find that when you work your tri- biceps and you're doing some accessories. Oh, stuff. that
1: does thats not what I'm talking about. Right, you're, ta- you're talking, talking the big compounds. I'm like, about to—I'm talking about the training movements. Okay. We don't train our biceps; we exercise our biceps. All right, but. Squats, deadlifts, presses, benches, don't do not do that stuff for eight and 10 reps.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: The upper body stuff is more tolerant of higher reps and more volume than the lower body stuff. If you want to do sets across on the bench or the press, sure, you can get away with that. Just be careful. If you start having problems, cut your volume back. But deadlifts need one set. Squats one maybe two sets think about threes instead of fives as you get older this becomes much more critical and again as everything else does it varies with the individual it varies with the individual also another important thing to note is that older guys do not deal well with explosive movements as we get older are uh, the motor units uh, composed of the fast twitch, fibers typically tend to atrophy faster than everything else. In addition to that, connective tissue composition changes in older guys. Uh, We don't, we don't advise uh, the clean or the snatch for older trainees. Whereas if you're 25 and you're not doing your cleans and snatches, well, you're just a pussy. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're, when you're young, you're supposed to train explosive. When you're old, depending on your particular situation, you're probably not going to tolerate it very well. It bothers your knees, your ankles, and your hips to slam around under the barbell. But if you don't do some slamming around under the barbell when you're young, you're just afraid of something, afraid of learning how probably that
0: mm. We had a we had Christian Thibodeau uh, four times on the show, and we've also had Paul Carter, both of which have said something very similar to you. They they they're both in the camp of. They're not suggesting other modalities don't work, but for both both of them and the people they speak to, they train one one working set per lift, and they do like four lifts per day. Yeah. And that's it. All right, so one, they'll do warm-up sets as you describe, but then just one working set, all out, train to failure at a rep range that they've decided, and then that's it. And I've actually been following this this kind of mode of training for the last four or five months. And hey, I'm 38. Mm. Hey, I should be able to tolerate more volume. And I was doing a hell of a lot more volume beforehand. But I must admit, I'm enjoying this. I'm getting stronger. I feel less sure. beaten up all the time. And the fact I'm getting stronger and my, my my movements are improving, even though I'm doing significantly less work, or it feels like it, right.
1: that's great. Yeah, you you've cut out all the you've cut out the junk reps. Exactly. Don't do junk reps. There's no point doing a rep that's not productive. That's pointless. If it's not productive, why are we doing it? We're not accumulating. Nothing is obtained by accumulating a whole bunch of sub-maximal repetition. You don't get stronger doing sub-maximal repetition. So why do it? All it does is, is tear up joints and keep you at a constant increased level of inflammation. Chronic cortisol elevation is not good for human beings, right? This is what's wrong with CrossFit. This is what's wrong with seven sets of nine. That's stupid. If, if you're sore all the time, that's not good. That's a disease process, okay? Get used to the idea that you're not supposed to. Soreness is not the prize. Strength is the prize. Soreness sometimes happens, but it's accidental. It's not the point. Learn that as soon as you can, because we've been taught that soreness is the good thing. Soreness is not the good thing. We've also been, not at all.
0: also been taught that, you know, it, more work is better. More work and more sweat is better. And right. I, as much smarter as you understand that, and everyone who listens to you understands that, I don't think that sentiment has, has broken through into mainstream no. yet. Not at all.
1: No. No, I don't think it has, because smarter work is better than more work. Enough work is better. The right amount of work is better. Too much work leads to overtraining. Overtraining kills careers. Kills gains? Overtraining is a real deal. Yeah. It kills gains. It kills athletic careers. Advanced athletes have to get as close to overtraining as they can, but if they push past the point of overtraining. It takes three or four months to get recovered from that because it's a profound physical insult. And it goes way down through the body, down through all the physiologic systems. It affects all of them. And it's not good for you. Mm-hmm. Do enough training, not more than you need.
0: Yeah, that definitely has been a lesson that I've learned over the last few right. months.
1: This is, And been- the older you get, the more critical it is to pay attention to this. Yeah, absolutely because we don't have the hormonal milieu to help us recover that we did when we were kids. Okay. And if you push over into overtraining, you get a you know, big giant fire lit under you and you decide you're gonna, you know, try to train like you did shortly out of high school, you are fucking up. It's not good to do that.
0: And unfortunately, um it's not always easy to see when you are over training like as an individual um if you can get back in the gym and you're you know you physically can still train and you've got that guilt pressure that you must uh and thing you know you're starting to just slow down and fatigue but you don't realize it because it's gradual i mean i know i've been there but i know many others that you know their commitment to training whatever it is or exercising uh numbs the awareness that they're in a chronic state of fatigue Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's hard to identify
1: obsessive compulsive disorder people are easily lured into this some types of exercise appeal to people with ocd it's a problem it's it's a problem if you can't accurately assess uh the efficacy of your program you're going to have to get some help with it. that's what coaches are for if you're not capable of saying this is not enough this is too much you know if the symptoms of overtraining are there you don't see a problem with what you're doing and you're ignoring the symptoms of overtraining you need a coach you know let somebody else have some input Mm -hmm. because your input is obviously not accurate
0: that's a good point. That's a good point. Listen, we are going to wrap this up. This has been fantastic. It's exactly what I'd hoped for, Mark. Thank you so much for giving me as much time as you have. Um, I just want to make sure that you have said everything that you wanted to say on this subject. Have we have we covered it all, Mark, or is it? There- yeah,
1: I think I think that this has been a pretty good overview of the 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 background. I'm not. Uh, I mean, the details have been written in our books. Starting Strength, Basic Barbell Training. In practical programming for strength training and in uh, the barbell prescription. Those books are available at our website and on Amazon. Our website is startingstrength.com. We have content up every day, new content every day. We've got a very active uh, discussion forum that goes on over there. We've got a great big, you know, closing in on 400,000 views on the COVID virus on our forum right now. Uh, we've got, uh, we discuss equipment, exercise, training, programming, all kinds of things on the forum. It's an active community of people talking to each other about this stuff. Uh, we've got videos, we've got instructional videos and and instructional articles, and big long theoretical articles. And all of my thoughts have been pretty much at this point written down on that website. It's an enormous websites, the biggest website on strength training in the world wow. and it's startingstrength.com, Everything is there. You can communicate with me there. And I think that what we've talked about today has just been a real good exposure for the theoretical background material that we have built upon, uh, for the starting strength method. Perfect. And I'd encourage anybody that has any questions to contact us there at the website, sign up for the forum and ask whatever questions you want. We, We've got a very, very bright group of people that post there and that answer questions and that, I mean, we've got, you know, theoretical physicists and engineers and doctors and lots of different people that participate, a lot of real bright people that participate in these discussions because it's the best discussion forum on the internet. And uh, you ought to check it out
0: cool i'm gonna check it out as well i have i have popped in and out every once in a while but i've not i've not been a regular but i think i will take another look now an after this call is there are there other right. socials that we should be dropping as well any kind of social media platforms that you're hot on i'm on
1: uh, well i'm on facebook when i have to be okay I, I go over to i go over to facebook and post the day's contents on facebook and twitter i don't particularly enjoy interacting with people on Facebook uh, or Twitter much because of the uh, obvious uh, uh, intellectual character. Yeah, yeah it, 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 the intellectual <laughs> problems over there are quite profound. Uh, it's one, one step above Reddit. And, uh, you know, a long time ago, Reddit was kind of kind of cool, but Reddit is where mentally ill people go now. And
0: uh,
1: a lot of Facebook, trolling. yeah, Facebook is pretty bad too. And I'm just not <laughs> going to talk to people. On Facebook. Fair so enough. So I go over there and post content. We have an Instagram page.
0: Oh, you uh, must be all over that. Starting
1: <laughs> strength. I don't know. I I don't take care of that at all. Yeah. I don't ever see it. We I was got, joking. Like I said, we have people, and uh, uh, we got a guy that takes care of the of the Instagram stuff for us. And there's probably other stuff I'm not even.
0: And YouTube as really? well, I'm guessing, and and, and the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we have
1: a, we have a big YouTube channel. They have a big YouTube channel. Where all of our videos are up on YouTube. We do a lot of video production here. Uh, we spend a lot of time on on uh, in the gym producing instructional videos, and all of our podcasts go on on YouTube. Uh, so if you like uh, uh, my rather direct. Uh, Approach to problems, you might want to start looking at our podcast. Cool. and uh, we don't shy away from things there. I don't know why we're still allowed on YouTube.
0: But. <laughs> well, <but the laughs> YouTube they, are starting to the people them. They they on this, especially on this COVID stuff. Brian Rose is a UK, uh, UK, um, kind of presenter of a YouTube channel, but he's American. Uh, he interviewed uh, a conspiracy theorist a couple of weeks ago and got deplatformed, and he's been deplatformed off of pretty much every single social media platform because yeah. he allowed this individual to speak. So, yeah, be careful, right. man.
1: This, <laughs> the, this free expression thing is going to have to be brought yeah. under control, isn't it? Because it's a problem ridiculous. for these people, isn't it? Yeah. It's this free express. Enjoy it while you've got it. it, is what I'm saying.
0: Ah, amen all righty man listen i'm going to leave you be thank you so much for today mark it's been an absolute pleasure and it's great that we had the chance to to connect
1: enjoyed it steve thanks
0: whoa just before you go i want to know two things from you if you would be so kind firstly how did you find that episode was it insightful was it practical Has it got you thinking about things differently? If so, do us a huge favor, please, and write us up a quick review in your podcast app, whether it be on Apple or Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform. And secondly, have you checked out the Be Your Best journey yet? If you haven't, that's cool, but go to adaptnation.io or click the link within the show notes and just take a look around. See how we put together the messaging as to the value of this online course and program. And if you've got any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. And if you're interested about it, then hey, there's no time like the present. Get involved. It's 100 days of personal growth and self-development. I am sure you're going to get a lot of value from it. Anyway, until next time, I'll let you crack on and be your best. If you enjoy this show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And, of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adaptnation.io, or your favorite social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening.